reached out to Billy and, and broached the topic. Uh, the first thing he told me was basically no chance, uh, go to hell. But uh, um, his main question and his main thought to me was, I'm gonna do what's best for Bob, uh, which you don't hear a lot in, in this industry. It's all about winning at this point. When you have a roster like that and you have all the people that give you the resources and the backing to do it, I, I don't know that there's a better destination in baseball to be able to come, so I'm a lucky man. How about that? Bob Melvin, officially introduced as the new manager of the San Diego Padres, a guy that clearly wants to be here, as surprising as the news was, and an organization that is excited to have his steady hand at the helm. It's the On Fire Podcast. Darnay Tripp joined by Derek Togerson, and that's not all. Todd Strain with us. A triple play of On Friar podcasters. Woo! I think this is the first time, the first episode, somehow the three of us have always, Todd usually comes out of the arm barn when one of us isn't available. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all three of us going strong um, to uh, pass along our thoughts on our the first appearance of Bob Melvin in brown pinstripes as the San Diego Padre, something that we... Um, Never would have expected as recently as like five days ago. And Melvin himself said he was pretty surprised to be here. And uh, off we go. Derek, I'll start with you. What What's kind of your big picture takeaway from what we heard from the longtime skipper today? Well, we know he always says the right thing, right? He, he's just such a good dude. He has always reminded me of like everyone's favorite uncle. <laughs> like when, when stuff's bad with your parents and like you need somebody to talk to, like you can go talk to Uncle Bob. He's, he's that dude who's just going to be there and listen and give you the right advice and just be that good dude is a good influence on your life. That's what I think he brings to a clubhouse. Like he's the guy who everybody can do. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, no matter how badly you're slumping, if you're fighting with your girlfriend, whatever, <laughs> you, you can go talk to Bob and you're going to have a safe space and he's going to make you feel okay. And if you feel good, odds are you're going to end up playing good. And that's why I think his teams traditionally do really well because everyone's so very comfortable they can live up to their full potential and their full expectation. And that's what the Padres have not done under their previous skippers. And that's what Bob Melvin really is known for. So he showed that in the press conference. He showed his his humility. He showed his ability to adapt. And I'm sure we'll talk about the analytics thing in a little bit here on this not emergency, but celebratory podcast. <laughs> uh, he did st struck every chord exactly the way you would have hoped he would have struck them. It's just a great way to introduce himself to San Diego. What about you, Todd? Everyone is on board with this hire. And going back to previous A.J. Preller hires, when you go Andy Green, Jace Tingler, there were people questioning those hires, whether it was media members locally or nationally, players in and out of the game, people in the Padres' front office, still had doubts about the hires. Everyone, no matter what spectrum of baseball you're from, is on board with hiring Bob Melvin and thinks the Padres got it right. I haven't heard one negative about Bob Melvin as a person, a manager, and his fit with the Padres. It really is pretty impressive. And even what Billy Bean said to A.J. Preller, like, we'll do what's best for Bob. And, I mean, how often in this cutthroat industry, and, and A.J. Preller kind of mentioned that, do you get a reaction like that? And again, it just speaks to how respected he is. Um, and then not just like what he's accomplished, but who he is as an individual, who he is as a person and a leader. And um, yeah, that in and, of, in and of itself is is really, really telling. Um, and yeah, it, to, to not have to 
just frantically Google search, you know, somebody's name, find out like what Jace Tingler's record was in the Dominican League. And, you know, oh, he he coached Josh Naylor. All right. So he knows a guy that's, you know what I mean? Like just grasping for anything and to have a guy that is a proven commodity that people speak so highly of that has done it at a high level. Um, it's just such a drastically different tone from what we experienced like almost exactly two years to the day uh, ago. And um, yeah, impressive getting a chance to to sit in front of him and, and hear what he had to say. I don't know. Yeah, that was really the difference. And the other two hires, like we heard these things and we're trying to then go through the process of talking ourselves into believing that this is a good idea. In this one, it was almost like, we're talking ourselves out of believing it's actually possible because no way we got Bob, really Bob Melvin? Like he's still under contract, really? We got that dude, that's awesome. It's that going from, we have to try and make ourselves believe or being in disbelief. I remember leaving the previous two press conferences <laughs> and there was always like a head shaking moment. You're like, did he really just say that? Or is that really how the Padres are going to go? You know, the Man infamous yeah, quote, yeah. managing games in my mind. <laughs> Nobody knew who Andy Green was. Uh, Melvin said all the right things and there was no infamous quotes or moments as we, as everyone keeps saying, just, just rock solid, rock solid higher. Yes, yeah, some, you know, interesting details about how it all played out. Obviously, they wanted to keep it under wraps, and they did a fantastic job of doing that. The first we heard Bob ne Melvin's name as it pertained to the Padres was A.J. Casavell's tweet saying that he was going to take over, and, and you know, we kind of know at that point that it's official um, or all but official. Um, but they met in Peoria. Bob was in Arizona. A.J. was there in his, you know, basketball sneaker shorts with a few basketballs on the desk. Um and the conversation started there and they continued and then eventually visited San Diego, you know, some dinners. And um, it sounded like, you know, as 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 strong as the ties are for Bob Melvin in Oakland, being a Bay Area guy and the loyalty he seems to have with that organization sounded a lot like it was a pretty quick and easy sell. Like it, they they won him over pretty quickly just the attitude of the organization, the fact that they are pushing for a World Series, they're in that window, they recognize it, they are making moves um, with that vision in mind, and the roster, that's one of the lines he said, the roster was the hook. Um, so all those things, it, um, as surprised as he was to end up in that situation, um, it didn't take long for him to start to envision himself in the Padres dugout, and, and clearly, as, as you heard him say right off the top, this was the job that he wanted once he saw what was on the table. Well, I want to know, I would love to know, where did those dinners in San Diego take place <laughs> that either A, no one saw them, or B, no one recognized them, mm. or C, someone did and they were sworn to secrecy somehow that it did not find its way onto someone's social media feed. Like, is, are those guys that not well-known enough or recognizable enough in this town that, that people look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's J.J. Preller having dinner with, a guy who's not his manager and is currently the manager of somebody else. I'll just look the other way and not think twice about this. Like, how did that get down with nobody seeing or saying anything? Private dining rooms, Derek. Private dining rooms. That That's amazing, too, that in this day and age, it went this long where they had multiple yeah. days of meetings and conversations and reaching out to the A's and nothing got out. But I think this also speaks, as we said, he really likes the Padres roster. He likes the stadium, as he said. Hmm. But it also speaks to, like, Sometimes a, a relationship or a job runs its course. And clearly in Oakland, he had felt like his time was 
he'd done all he can there. And the signs are on the wall. That organization falling apart, both from an ownership, maybe a moving out of Oakland, uh, money, resources. That organization seems to me like an organization crumbling. And so the time was right for Melvin to make a move. And the Padres had perfect timing. Kind of sounded like Rocky Long when Rocky Long said, you just know it's time and it's time. Um, it, it reminded me of his press conference. And... Well, hopefully Melvin has a better offense than Rocky Long. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. And and... If Rocky Long had Fernando Tatis Jr. at quarterback, <laughs> they would have had a better offense. Yeah, but would they have actually played him at quarterback? That's oh, the question. Will Haskell. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, thank you. Okay, that's not this podcast. We're going to start sorry. a new Aztecs, a new, it'll be an Aztecs podcast, and it'll actually just be a Will Haskell fan club podcast. <laughs> um, I, the writing clearly seems to be on the wall for Oakland. I mean, in the immediate aftermath, there were tweets and there were headlines, articles written about, okay, this is what it means for that organization, and it's not great if you're an A's fan condolences you're you're it seems to um you it it looks like you're in for a few lean years uh to say the least and um you know melvin for him clearly an opportunity and he said it like this is i think he would like for this to be his last stop he hinted at that he believes that that could be the case um i feel i don't know about you guys i'm pretty confident we won't be having this conversation again in 2023 <laughs> in late october early november um let's hope that's the case um it, it sounds well, like no, let's hope let's hope that is the case because it means that melvin's won two straight world series and has <laughs> nothing left to prove and retires so i'm good i'm good and then ruben niebla takes over um so we'll see but this is an opportunity that he's clearly excited about um just because of the fact that this this team is um to steal the hashtag hungry for more uh they want to win a world series that's their aim and he feels like this is a chance to round out his resume and for the club to do the same. You know, they have that same vision in mind, that same goal in mind. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think was obviously in mind, you know, through the hiring process and after we heard what Preller had to say about Tingler with Melvin is, okay, what's the relationship going to be? And obviously everybody says the the right things, but... Um, you know, Preller at one point said, you know, th the vision is the same, you know, in terms of how what works and how you win games. And Melvin kind of um, said something along the same lines like they they it they expect to have a, a smooth working relationship. Now, we thought that would be the case with Jason Tingler. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, Melvin just seems like such an easygoing guy, easy to work with. That's probably why um, he endeared himself to his previous boss to the extent that he was like, yes, go ahead. We, we understand. Um, we're not going to stand in your way. Um, it sounds like both have kind of the uh, balance between analytics and what's in your gut and what your eye sees. So, um, you know, who, who knows what we can believe at, at this point. But, um, you know, hopefully what we heard today is true in that. You know, they, they expect to, to jive pretty well from that front, and there shouldn't be the issues that we've um, seen or heard about of late. Well, you know what my big takeaway from that is that's normal. That's how a normal baseball <laughs> managerial front office relationship should be. That's expected. That's like a normal grown-up big league manager. I think uh, what's been going on the last few years here is, is not that. So it's almost like a return to normalcy baseball style. That That's what an organization should have. Hmm. That's what a fan base should expect from its manager and front office.
He's, yeah, that's going back he's thinking capable. about a lot of the a lot of things I heard in Jace Tingler press conferences that didn't really strike me at the time, but now I realize should have been huge red flags is how often he said, well, AJ and I are going to talk about it could be who's going to start tomorrow. Who is this person available for, for the bullpen? Are you having a bullpen day? Well, AJ and I are going to talk. I did not hear really once, and I've looked at a fair number since this happened, of Bob Melvin kind of going through all his press conferences. He didn't say, well, Billy and I are going to talk. Well, Billy and I are going to say that. It was almost like Jace was just completely being led as a marionette by A.J. Preller. And when the clubhouse knows that that's the case, they're not listening to the guy who's the puppet. They're going to listen to the guy who's really in charge. Bob Melvin is the guy who is really in charge. And I really do think and hope that through those long conversations that Bob said that they had, that AJ truly does pull back and say, you know, listen, this is kind of how we're looking at things, but you, you're the guy in there, you're the lieutenant on the ground, you, you're, you know, there watching it in, in person. We're going to trust you to make the right choices. We're going to give you as much information, as much ammunition as we possibly can to do everything right. All right, so that leads me to a couple uh, pieces of sound we want to play from from Melvin um, from his introductory press conference. Let's start with the clubhouse dynamics uh, that came up. It was a question asked of him um, just in in terms of what we saw and heard um, that Jace Tingler had, had lost the clubhouse. They they you know he didn't have their ear anymore, and um, obviously that showed itself in, in their struggles as a team and. Um, here's what Melvin had to say, just in terms of what he's heard and his perception and, and um, just his his process, what he does to make sure everybody's pulling in the same direction. Yeah, I, you know, I really don't know that part of it. I know that when we were here, it was electric. You know, there were medallions flying everywhere and and and, and guys that were looked like they were really enthused to play the game. And, you know, that's at a different level now, too. And that really showed up here that that these guys were passionate about what they were doing so that's the part that i saw and then you you balance that with the roster that's here um you know i didn't follow the last few weeks or the you know last couple months i you know i was trying to figure out our our stuff over there um so look i'm just going to do the things i've always done in my job and that's you know be me and try to reach the players and you know make everybody make sure everybody's on the same page, whether it's the staff, whether it's the front office, whether it's the players, whether it's the coaches. I mean, it's, it's really important that everybody has the same goals and, and that gets really powerful when everybody is on the same page. And that, that is what I want to try to accomplish here is that, look, we have one goal in mind, then you break it down to smaller goals as the season goes along. Uh, you create things that you want to do fundamentally on the field. Uh, and then you hold guys accountable to do it because it's important that you know, when you create something starting in spring training um, and you feel like that's important, you can't get off that. You, you know, at times when you get a little run down and you, know, you don't want to do things or you take a couple days off from hitting and, you know, you have to be, those are the times that you really have to push a little bit harder and know that, look, it's not going to be perfect over 162 game seasons, but we have to, to be, you know, disciplined in what we're doing the entire year. And, and that's something I hope to create and, and you know, with the, with the balance of what our goals are going to be and, and a lot of things that we're trying to, to do along the way that start in spring training, um, be disciplined about that the entire season. Yeah. Discipline. 
discipline. That, yeah. that really was what it comes down to. It's discipline, yeah. self-discipline and discipline in the clubhouse. And if you don't have that or you don't know where that's coming from, like if you have two parents who are saying one thing, you know, dad <laughs> says no, and they go to mom and mom says yes, that just creates all kinds of problems. And that's kind of what I think was happening in the Padres clubhouse. Dickerson would be one way because he's a strong personality. Tingler would be a different way because he's basically doing whatever he thinks AJ wants to say and trying to be the more zen, middle-of-the-road type thing. And nobody really knows where the true you know, message and discipline is coming from. Also, it's just a s- simple messaging, consistent messaging. You're not micromanaging. You know, you're, you're not um, – you don't have a heavy hand. You know, you just – you trust the guys, you empower them with what they need to succeed. Again, you're consistent about your messaging. You hold them accountable to that. Um, but trust that they they will take it and they will run with it. They will do what they need to do in order to be successful and in order, you know, to, to, to help the team win. I don't know. I just, um, when you hear somebody explain it like that, it just sounds so easy. And we haven't had that just like clear simple messaging that I would think as a player is pretty easy to understand and, and get behind. And like, look, things aren't going to be perfect all the time. You don't have to tear your hair out. And there were points in the season this year where you wanted to see somebody tear their hair out or, or something, but maybe that's just because there was the absence of that consistent messaging and the ability to kind of put that in place when it needed to be. Well, when Bob Melvin spoke at the press's introductory presser, when he said something, I understood what he said <laughs> There may have been like a basic follow-up question, but I wasn't more confused, and his answer didn't raise more questions, which in the past few years with Tingler, his answers would leave you saying, huh, and asking more questions. And even A.J. Preller can can ramble on a little bit and not really answer the question. Bob Melvin, as you guys said, disciplined in the locker room, disciplined verbally. He, He says it. It's short or long and you know exactly what he's saying and it's 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 not wavering and it's not a non-answer it's a real answer and i think that speaks volumes about what kind of manager he's going to be and he didn't use the b word (laughs) which i think is is important yes let me ask you guys something uh at the end of last padre season lots of people in san diego and the national baseball media and those very close to the game thought the Padres roster was flawed, thought it has many holes that need to be fixed and will be hard to hard to remedy the, the problems of the roster. I didn't get that vibe from Melvin. Multiple times, he says he loves the roster and thinks his team can, can win with the roster essentially as it is. Do you guys believe him, or do you think that's just kind of a little bit of lip service, or do you think he just doesn't know hmm. the Padres roster in depth yet? What, what, what's your guys' take on that? Derek? Go ahead, Darnett. I have my thoughts on that. <laughs> um, I think the truth lies somewhere in between. I, you know, I think part of it is the introductory press conference. I think, I think, when you just look at the core, I think the core is strong. There's a lot of, you know, peripheral pieces that I think they could um, areas where they could improve, and and we've discussed that. But I think when you have a core of Machado, Tatis, Cronenworth, you've got a Gold Glove center fielder. Um, you got other guys around that you feel strongly about. You've, you've got, you know, established guys in the rotation, uh, some talent in the bullpen. I think that in and of itself puts you in position. Now, can they tinker with the roster and make some subtle moves like the Atlanta Braves did at the deadline, a team that people were wondering if they would be sellers. Acuna gets injured. Um, they make some of those subtle moves that end up being really impactful. And now we're 
potentially two out of three years where a Nationals team that was lousy ends up winning the World Series. A Braves team that looked like they could punt on the rest of the season could win the World Series. So it's not always just who leads fan graphs and projected wins winning the World Series. Um, you know, it's the maneuvers that you make within the season. It's who gets hot. It's how the club gels. And I think this team has that potential. Are they fully formed at this point? No, I, I, I don't necessarily think so. But I think, you know, there's enough maneuverability there to get to a place where they could be a World Series team. Bob Melvin saw this team, and he saw them a lot. He saw them every year in interleague play. You know, the West always takes a shot at the West, so you see him four to six times a year. And in 2020, he saw them in short succession. And he saw them again, as he said, you know, 40,000 people at Petco Park on a Tuesday night, and it was electric, and their whole dugout was like, man, you thought this was the playoffs. He understands what's here. He's seen what this roster has. And if you have a few superstars, and nobody on the planet will doubt the Padres do not have more than a few superstars on this club, and they got them for several years. You look at the roster and you go, this thing with what with the core that we have, we can win. And we can win a lot of games. With a Blake Snell that was the Blake Snell for you know a week and a half through August and September, you can win a lot of games. With the U Darvish, even the entire season, U Darvish just you know, take a couple of stints off the injured list. You got him for the whole year. You can win a lot of games with that. These guys just do something to stay even remotely healthy. He's seen what's in the bullpen. The bullpen got unbelievably overworked still. But the pieces that are there are really good pieces who you can work with. He saw Trent Grisham in 2020 and how great defensively he is. He can get something out of that guy. You know, he had Ramon Laureano out in center field who came in as a defensive specialist and then turned himself into a fairly decent hitter by the end. Trent Grisham's already a fairly decent hitter. He can become a guy who was a, a, a stellar, both you know, all around two-way player for the San Diego Padres. So I think Melvin looks at this and goes, if you look at the number of superstars I had in Oakland, which is a couple guys on the corner, and that's about it. And the number of superstars I have in San Diego, and it's dwarfing that, we just got to figure out the peripherals. And if we could figure out the peripherals, and if he's the key to help everybody, even on the periphery, get on the same page, then yeah, this roster is better than the one he won with for 11 years up in the Bay Area. And they're probably not as bad as they showed the last couple months of Correct. the season. Correct. But they're probably not as good as we thought they were going into the year. It's, again, somewhere in the middle. And he is the type of manager, as Derek alluded, that ha has um, allowed help teams reach their potential, maximize their potential. That's why Jay Stingler isn't here. He clearly didn't have that capability. Uh, Melvin has that track record. And also the other just kind of outside issues, whatever it is, chemistry that contributed to their struggles those issues probably won't creep up under bob melvin he'll he'll have a, a, a way of kind of getting those sorted out getting everybody on the same page or or communicating to aj what the issues are and what he can do about it how he can help alleviate some of those issues so i just think there were some compounding problems this season that made it appear worse uh, for the padres than maybe it actually was on paper and he just seems like the type of guy that is equipped and, and has shown the ability to, again, steady the ship and help everybody individually, collectively as a team kind of reach their ceiling. But And, and get the medallions flying again. And get those <laughs> swag medallions all over Petco Park. Everybody having a good time. The Melvin medallions. On that note, um, Derek, you mentioned the, the analytics, his approach with the analytics. Um, that came up as does just kind of the personality of this Padres team. You know, this is a club that plays with a lot of swag. They swing 3-0. 
they do some things that rub people the wrong way. And um, here's what Melvin had to say, just from a personality standpoint, analytics data standpoint, just his approach as a guy that's been in the game for quite some time. Yeah, I don't know that there really are old norms anymore. That that line has really kind of been wiped out now. And I think it's good for the game, too. You know, the, the game probably needed some enthusiasm, some, you know, we had, you know, Mark Hanna in, in Oakland with bat flipping season. And, you know, for, for veteran guys, it, you know, you have to acclimate to that. But that's been an easy part for me. Um, and I think, you know, if you want to, have a younger fan base. I think it resonates with them, the enthusiasm and, 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 you know, the individualism yet in a team atmosphere, I think is really good for the game. And it resonates here probably as well as anywhere, anywhere else. Just like in any walk of life, uh, change seems to be accelerating. And so is the game of baseball into a direction that, you know, is, is gotten into a hefty balance between analytics and, and, you know, make up traditional type baseball things. I learned a lot about the analytics in Oakland. It was, it was a little painful at times early on based on the fact that I grew up looking at the game a little bit differently, but I think it's made me better. It's opened my, opened my eyes that, you know, any information that you can get, whether it's information that you, you know, that comes from your experiences and or information that you get from data, if you can marry that. I think that's the best balance. And I think that's what I learned more so in Oakland was there's a different way to look at the game. And, uh, you know, Billy was a guy that was kind of at the forefront of, of the analytics and, and data and information. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be around them for quite a while to, to learn that and know that there's a balance. Guy that's kind of at the forefront. Yeah, only an Oscar nominated <laughs> film and a best selling book was made all about him. Yeah, this kind of at the forefront. You know what's great, and we've talked about this on this podcast many, many times, is what the A's have been able to do is not just gather a bunch of information, they know how to apply that information to make it as effective as possible. The Dodgers do the same thing. And that's what really has been all this information. They obviously have not been utilizing it properly. Bob Melvin knows how to take all the information and the analytics and all that, and then how to apply it to training, to in-game usage, so that you know you're doing the right thing based on A, what you see in front of your eyes, based on 40 plus years in the major leagues as a coach and a player, and B, what the numbers tell you that maybe your eyes aren't showing you. And that truly is, if he if he really is as, as in on marrying those two as he says he is, and his record certainly indicates that's the case, then the Padres have themselves literally the perfect guy to lead this club in 2022. I agree 100% with everything Derek just said. I can't add anything to it. I mean, everything is spot on, and that's why it's such a good hire. I, did, I feel, did, did I rush that? Because I rehearsed no, it a little bit. No, man, you nailed that. That's your Oscar moment. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder um, once they kind of get into the trenches what uh, Melvin will um, – realize like what will be missing he's like oh you don't do that you don't have access to this information this isn't part of your process um because we've heard about coaches that have left the Padres and been like what what is all this but I think the big thing is Bob Melvin has 18 years of experience like even if he makes a decision that is somewhat on the fence where he say oh he could have done this could have done that you you give him the benefit of the doubt yeah because he's done it before and he's done it a bunch of different ways and been successful and he's failed and he succeeded by trying different things, and he's developed what 
his in-game situations by his past. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, for so long in San Diego, everyone in the stands has felt like they're smarter or as smart as the manager. And I don't think that's the case now. Yeah. Uh, there was also- what does he feel about Ruben Niebla? <laughs> I mean, but no, that's a good question. But again, just from what we've heard about Melvin and what now we've you know heard from him directly, he just seems, again, just like an easy guy to, to um, get acquainted with, to work with. And uh, there, there still isn't much clarity, at least that I've seen or heard, about the timeline and how that went down. And, and obviously, he had been talking to Bob Melvin for a while. I mean, they had, like, how many dinners, you know? They were talking in Peoria. They were talking in San Diego. The Niebla news comes out on Sunday. The Melvin news comes out on Thursday. All those dinners didn't happen between Sunday and Thursday. So my guess is that was part of the long two-hour dinners that lasted until 1130 where they got kicked out of the restaurant. Um, well, maybe they drove from Peoria together <laughs> through El Centro. Yeah. <laughs> picked up the maybe got Niebla on the speakerphone. Exactly. And, you know, and went to the gas lamp for a backroom dinner. <laughs> so my guess is uh, that that. He was involved in that conversation to some degree. I know if, if Preller was like, hey, we're bringing in this guy or what do you think about us, you know, hitting send on this guy? You know, that's that part we don't really know. But based on the timeline, one would think that um, they kind of worked out that part of the scenario. You would think you wouldn't think um... – like there, Preller would be picking the pitching coach over the manager. Like correct? Melvin like saw that Melvin tweet on says, Sunday and was like, yeah. "Wait a second, who's this Ruben Yabla guy?" I'm not coming. So yeah. Um, it, Melvin also said kind of funny. He's like, you know, a lot of these young GMs, you expect them to be really analytics based. AJ Preller, that's not really the case. And I was like, is that a compliment or how should we take that? Because I think there's people listening that were like, "Well, I wish he was." Yeah, but then you have guys who are like just who look at nothing but the numbers, and yeah. that doesn't really do any good either. Yeah, I mean, and he was lauding him and the balance that he has between the two, but it seems like there's room for more of the data to enter into the equation. Here's what I want to know: everybody who meets AJ Preller in these secret conversations or dinners or late night or hoops with him, you know, plays horse at 3 a.m. They all say AJ has such a passion for the game; his baseball passion oozes out of him. Like, we're in a game. I mean, Major League Baseball is filled with people who are passionate about baseball. What does AJ say to all these guys in these <laughs> secret late-night meetings and, and dinners where, like, people come away like he's a Buddha of baseball? Like, how much more passion could AJ have than, than all else. these other— <laughs> Okay, let me give you a little indication about that because Take I had a conversation inside. with AJ totally off the record one time. Um, he came over to the studio, and we had we did, like, a 10-minute on-camera interview— and then we sat there and talked for about another half hour, 45 minutes. And I was asking him, I was trying to be as obscure with the questions as I could, just because you're going, this guy knows everything about everything. It's nuts. So I was asking about like a couple of high school kids that I had seen who were like sophomores that I had the coast in Little League. He already knew about them. <laughs> like he he was, it, it, all that stuff about knowing all of this, you know, it's like, it's it's legit and it's true. Now, he doesn't let it out all the time and he certainly doesn't let it out in public all that much. But he like, he impresses the heck out of me with his pure, just, now I'll give you an example. We were talking about uh, Quinn Hoffman. When the Padres drafted him late, Quinn was, he, he was already going to Harvard. He was already a good little ball player. Um, 
So they usually you do those drafts of guys who are big to your organization, kind of like at the end as you're, we know we're not going to get him. It's just kind of like, hey, the kid could say he got drafted. It was kind of a nod to the lineage and all that kind of stuff. He had a full-blown scouting report worked up on Quinn Hoffman. Like, good footwork, not a whole lot of pop. You know, expect he's going to grow into some power. You know, really, we knew he was a hard commitment to, to Harvard. We're going to talk to him anyway. Like, exactly. And then what his career at Harvard was was exactly what AJ said it was going to be. Hmm. <laughs> like, it's it's creepy spooky how much this dude is, has an eye for talent. Well, as Jay Singler said, he doesn't sleep, which I tend to believe. <laughs> and there was, the, the this is unrelated, but the basketball comment that Melvin made I thought was funny because the night of the 2020 draft, they picked Robert Hassel. I went to Petco Park just to you know have a little backdrop for yeah. a stand-up I was doing, and I was right there by kind of the um, member entrance or whatever, and what do I hear in the background? Basketball bouncing somewhere inside petco park uh he's either dribbling a basketball or going over scouting reports or film or hitting up opposing owners and gms to see if he can steal their manager um (laughs) i don't think he's getting eight hours a day i guess is what i'm well you know the trip to new york he was out playing on the new york streets like rucker park like he goes he goes and he plays i mean i do knows he knows the the iconic He's not Dr. J, he's Dr. AJ. Dr. Dr. AJ. My my goal working in San Diego has nothing to do with anything I do on the TV or podcast side or anything like that. I just want to play in one basketball game with AJ Preller. I'm just, All right. You guys play one on one to eleven. What's the score? I don't I need to see some film. He plays a lot. So I mean I'm I did see one quick clip of him playing outdoors somewhere and I was yeah he can play but I mean I think I can hold my own too I think it's a competitive game but I need also need to get in shape um so I think AJ's been playing more consistently than I have but give me a few months and um, Derek I got Darnay I'm, minus two and a half I like my chances <laughs> I don't know dude I'll take I'll take AJ in the points <laughs> wait on. assuming you don't have to win by two right no two two and a half so he's got to win 11-8 or whatever so now I'm saying like his first one to 11. So like if Darnay wins, it's 10, 10, the next one scores, you, like you don't have the, to win by two. Yeah. You win the bet. <laughs> yeah, you win the bet because AJ would cover. I'll take you out to a top secret dinner. <laughs> we'll invite AJ as well. We'll all end up we'll working for the Ask him where all the good places to go for those things are, yeah. Dr. AJ. I don't know. I was a high school wrestler, man. I'll, I'll leave the, uh, the, ba- the basketball uh, <laughs> handicapping to you guys. All right. We got to wrap this thing up. Any, uh, any final thoughts in our introduction to Bob Melvin? Todd, I I just think what we what we've touched on, he's a professional manager. It's something the locker room needed. It's something the fan base needed. I think having a professional uh, manager also helps the front office. I think it's a win all the way around. It's a home run and it's a hire that no one in baseball saw coming. And I don't know if you could find a better a better manager who's who's somewhat available without like going straight to the hall of fame you know and and all-time greats or current best managers in baseball which bob melvin is pretty near the top of i'll tell you what if bob melvin goes to and wins a world series he will be in the hall of fame he he's that his resume is that impressive he's, he's that good his winning percentage in his career as we said on the last podcast is better than casey stingles mm-hmm which is crazy to think about when you don't have the kind of guys that Casey Stingle and you know the, the great Yankees of the 40s and 50s to pencil in the lineup every year or every night. He's got guys in Oakland who nobody knows about until they go out and become surprising all-stars. He's got a, he had a great system in Oakland. He's got a great system here. And I will say what I said on social media, 
he's giving me strong Joe Torre vibes. Joe Torre, former catcher. Joe Torre, fourth managerial stint. When he got to the Yankees, it was number four. And you saw the success that they had there because they had this bumper crop of, of amazing players come up all at the same time. So that, that's kind of what he's got here in San Diego, bumper crop of great players all coming up at the same time. Torrey had to get all those guys to play up to their potential. Bob Melvin's now got to get all these guys to play up to their potential. And if he does, I'm not saying four World Series wins in five years, but I am saying you're going to have at least one in there because everything seems to be coming together at exactly the right time. Yes, well said. And again, I think just the idea of Bob Melvin with the level of talent in the core, the um, ambition that this team has, um, and during this window to, to really capitalize on what they have in front of them, I think is exciting. And, you know, I heard a clip, Yonder Alonso, we know the relationship between he and Manny Machado, loves Bob Melvin. And so that's part of the element, too, is is getting everybody on board, making sure the star's on board. And when you have um, a brother-in-law, a close friend of Manny Machado's that will vouch for him, um, I don't think that hurts. And I'm just uh, I'm excited to see whatever the group looks like in February. I'm, I'm excited to see them all together. I'm excited to see whatever moves are made within this roster, um, what those complimentary pieces look like and um just to see him at work and to see if uh you know i i guess i wouldn't be surprised if in instead of just kind of maybe a slow start to the season or those those lulls we saw not that there was a slow start this year but i just wouldn't be surprised to see this crew kind of hit the ground running with with him at the helm and with the talent that's in place um it's just exciting to not have, like Todd referenced, just those questions, the uncertainty you have in your mind that we've had with the Padres and their managers for so long um, to have a proven commodity and a guy that we know will uh, will squeeze everything out of this group. Um, it's It's got to be reassuring for Padres fans to be like, okay, something normal and and promising happened for my like, team i feel like the padres just b built a restaurant in my neighborhood that that serves wonderful breakfast <laughs> excellent club sandwiches at lunch and steak and potatoes just fish, reliable. pasta everything i want at dinner like it's it's reliable mm -hmm. it's there it's good and i know it's going to be open monday through sunday mm. this is a great way of putting it yeah now i'm kind of hungry all right let's go eat hey this was a blast thanks everybody for listening and uh we'll catch you next time